Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert David Duffield. David is a high school social studies teacher in Denver and an LGBTQ historian. Let's hear what he has to say about the murder of Scott Amador. Hi, David. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Nice to be here. So as a historian, we're, we're very excited to have you on the show to discuss the 80s and 90s, uh, particularly what was happening in the LGBTQ movement at the time and all, how all of this could have affected the situations surrounding the murder of Scott Amador. So... There's a lot to discuss, but uh, perhaps you could bring us up to speed on the the political climate post Stonewall. Uh, the 70s are a time for a lot of change. What what kind of progress was made during that time? Well, um, so queer people were regarded up until about 2015 as <laughs> psychopathic offenders. So culturally speaking, for most of American history, especially after the Industrial Revolution, gay men in particular were viewed as deviants or people who were morally inferior. Um, in the 1980s, we have to remember that was compounded 
even after the period of gay liberation with the HIV AIDS crisis in which you had people literally making money and um, power off the backs of exploiting people who uh, had the virus. Um, so culturally, I would say that queer people, gay men, lesbians, uh, trans people were peripheral and not necessarily accepted. And we've seen this happen time and time again in history. After a period of radical change comes a period of intense resistance. How, how did how did things shift in the uh, 80s and, and, and during the AIDS crisis? Well, really things... Um, there's always the theory in history that there's progression and regression. Mm -hmm. People fight for something and then people fight back against it. You can look at Jim Crow to say the same thing, the erosion of black equality after the Civil War. And for queer people post uh, Stonewall and the period known as gay liberation from 1969 to about 1982, cultural liberation was certainly something that was going on. We had our own spaces, we had our own um, bars, we had our own subculture, which was out and proud, our own festivals. And then on the heels of the HIV AIDS crisis, a massive conservative backlash uh, happened in response to um, queer people coming out. One can remember things like the Briggs Initiative in California or Anita Bryan in the 1970s with the Save Our Children campaign, talking about the evils and dangers of people who were lovers of the same sex, which is an old rhetoric that dates back you know, hundreds of years. So in the 1980s, what you end up with is a contention between conservative people and queer people living as themselves. So we 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 get to the 90s and it, it's wild because the 90s don't really feel that far away yet in terms of of queer history uh so much has changed since then. Um what were some of the battles that the LGBTQ community was fighting at the time? Well, I mean there's the classic ones, marriage equality, um non-discrimination in public housing, um, equal access to health care for HIV, fighting for our families. I mean, any range of fundamental basic human rights. Um, I really think the thing that began to change in the 1990s was the representation of queer people in popular culture. Ellen came out in 1997. You started to see massive numbers of LGBTQ people uh, at Pride. You started to see more and more political alliances. You started to see people who were living out and proud in terms of their professional and public lives. So whereas the process of creating gay liberation began in the 1970s, by the 1990s it had matured into thousands of nonprofits um, and a whole web of uh, LGBTQ rights movements. And in terms of the media, how would you say that uh, LGBTQ people were portrayed um, in TV and in particularly uh, the shock TV that... Uh, Jenny Jones and other shows like that were feeding to audiences. Well, there's an interesting theory in cultural studies about how the public talk shows opened up the first spaces for queer people to um, have public spaces on uh, in, in culture. So in the late 1980s and early 1990s, trash talk shows actually covered their topics where you would see a void of that. The historian Matt Baum talks about how in the 1970s, you started to see more and more queer people on television. But then with the conservative backlash and the, and the roots of censors, you started to see um, censorship of everything from lesbian kisses, like on Melrose Place, to... I mean, a mention of homosexuality in a day soap opera as um, as a bisexual. So there was a there was in 
some sort there's the sense that this was a straight washing of queer content and culture which began to emerge in the 1970s. In the 1990s, um, that began to be broken, but you also started to see um, it become not such a big deal. Culture is one of those things that passed from generation to generation, and popular culture, particularly in the 1980s and 1990s with television, was one of the best ways to do that. So when you think about the Jenny Craig show, when you think about um, the case with uh, Mr. Amador, like that was a setup. I think the response to that was a little bit different. It talks about the gay panic defense, which goes back a, a very long time. Yes, I, I would love to talk about that. So in in the the case of the murder of Scott Amador, the, the, the defendant, Jonathan Schmitz, and his lawyers, they use the, the gay panic defense, or at least they try to. Can, can you tell us more about what that is and what it grew out of? Um, yeah, so Schmitz killed Amador after he was discovered to be a, um, after Amador had left a, a, a love note and he had been, uh, they had sort of come out as, as his as his crush on public television. Um, he premeditatedly likely went, bought a gun and shot Amador. Um, and because of the gay panic defense, his sentence went from murder two, or sorry, murder one to murder two. Um, the difference meant life in prison versus several decades in prison, and he was released in 2021, I believe. But the gay panic defense actually goes back a very, very long time. The historian James Polsham talks about how violence against gay men was basically um, a phenomenon that goes back to his, some of the laws against sodomy in the 16th century in Europe. But in the early 1900s and late 1800s, uh, queer people, particularly gender non-conforming people and gay men, began to see harsher and harsher punishments of murders. So the idea of the gay panic defense was first articulated um, as the gay homosexual panic in 1920s. But the short of the story is, is that over the years, beginning in about 1960, I believe the case was a California case called Joseph Rodriguez, where a lawyer began to use the psychological defense in terms of getting clients um less time uh, in terms of their sentences. But the actual practice of blaming gay men for uh, crimes committed against them uh, is much, much older. Polchin talks about hundreds of cases of men who have sex with men in which they were killed and in which the defendants were let off because they said things like the man came on to me or they were given lesser sentences as a result of that. So violence against men who have sex with men by someone else has a longer history than the gay panic events. That's probably not known or talked about. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How, how do you think that cases like Scott Amador's and, and, and other similar cases at, at the time, for instance, um, the, the beating and murder of, of Matthew Shepard, how do you think they impact the, at the time, how did they impact the LGBTQ movement? Well, I mean, I was 15 years old when Matt was killed. I later saw a play about him. Um, I know friends of friends who knew him. Um, so from personal testimony, I can tell you that it was very shocking when it happened. I mean, I was a kid, basically, but at the same time, it was not unheard of. It unified the community in a way, I think, through violence against us and art particularly, in which you started to see massive numbers of people focusing on violence. The number of anti-violence projects and organizations around anti-violence increased dramatically. And really, for the first time, you began to see tracking of data. You began to see public discourse. You began to see art leading the way for cultural change, just as you had with HIV maybe a decade before. So right now, there there feels there is a real threat to the legality of gay marriage and what feels like a very direct attack on uh, trans rights in our country. What would you say to listeners about the battle we're currently faced with and how uh, can everyone help the cause? Well, let's let the history speak for itself. I mean, I think the anti-violence project in New York, which was the very first one, tracked 4,000 trans women who were murdered, disappeared, or lost in 1994. I think the number was 37 in 2022. and I think that one has to look at the long view of it. The saying in queer history circles is that colonialism and racism cause gender binary because capitalism and the idea of a male and female dynamic household create no room in the public spaces for gender nonconforming people. We also have to remember that discrimination against gender nonconforming people is older than sodomy laws in a lot of cases. The first sodomy laws in the United States were typically enforced in the late 19th century, but the first anti-cross-dressing laws were enforced in the middle of the 19th century. Um, And what, as a consequence of these, historians argue that they erased trans or gender nonconforming people from safe places in public view. So categorically, for a very, very long time, Gay men and trans uh, and gender nonconforming people or transgender people, as we would say today, uh, haven't had access to public spaces, but they've also been viewed as deviants and people who should be locked away. In short, as the historian Peter Boyd talks about, more and more criminal elements of society. So we'd like to ask our guest experts this question. Um, 
at the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for what happened to Scott Amador, particularly because that's what we're talking about this week. Who or what would that be? I mean, really, it comes down to self-love. Some of the worst people to persecute queer people are queer people themselves. One thinks about J. Edgar Hoover, right? One thinks about uh, Roy Cohn. One thinks about people who repress their own lives so much that they're incapable of self-love. And that translates into how they govern the bodies of those who are like them. I'm in no way saying that uh, Jonathan Smith is, is gay, but there are ways to handle it, which would just kind of let it pass along, right? He was probably so concerned about the public outing of his sexuality that he resorted to that without thinking, but I don't want to speculate. I think ultimately, though, it does come down to the idea that we must first learn to love ourselves and we must secondly learn to live our authentic lives. And when we can do that, we can accept that of those around us. And if we know about the long histories, finally, of discrimination against transgendering uh, men who have sex with men, I think that we can come to a point where we understand that we and our fears are products of what other people have told us because human nature is not to fear, it is to love. And human nature is only bound by fear because someone has made money, attention, or power off of the backs of our misunderstandings. David, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us understand this history. My pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to hear our post-interview discussion and final verdict, head over to Patreon and subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check out our show notes for a link or head over to patreon.com slash the alarmist. And stay tuned because next week we'll be discussing Loving the Virginia. Powered by ACAST. 
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.